I love that people get different meanings out of it. And another one was like, I just like the word requiem. It's just so, it just rolls off the, t- it's just like dope, like corn requiem. It just was amazing. So <laughs> I'm being completely honest. Hey guys, James Wilson-Taylor here for Rock Sound. It's the latest of our video calls. Korn's new album, Requiem, is right around the corner. I'm delighted to say on the line right now, we have the one and only Jonathan Davis. How are you, Jonathan? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Lovely to be able to see you and, and talk to you. What is a really, really exciting time for the band, man? Like I say, this album is just around the corner. I've heard it. I want to get into it in a lot of ways. Uh, but I guess the first thing I want to ask you about is the kind of writing and creative process in general, it feels like you've had a lot more time than you maybe normally would because of the world and stuff to actually yeah. kind of fine tune things and play around. How did that kind of extra time affect your uh, your creative process around this one? I mean, it was just really, really nice not having any pre- outside pressure um, or or anything else going on, impending tours that we have to go on and all the other shit that was in, when is involved when we made prior records. Um, it was just nice. We did it. Uh, different where we would come in and book 10 days, everybody flying, we'd stay 10 days and write. And then the rest of the month we'd take off everybody go home. And then we come back the next month and we did that three or four times and, and got the record uh, written. And then uh, we, everybody went home and then it, my, it was my turn. And it took me a couple, it was a month, month and a half to do my thing. And it was done. And it was just exciting. It was fun. Is everything because it was in the middle of the pandemic? It was the one thing that we were all looking forward to is getting in the studio together, because we just lose ourselves and forget about all the chaos going on in the world, uh, especially here in the states. Because that time, it was just bonkers. There's just so much craziness going on. Not a lot of the, the, the pandemic going on. People that we loved and around us were dying and stuff. All the social unrest and all this. It was just insane. So. It was nice to get in the studio and do what we love and forget about everything. It was our, it just, it helped us a lot get through it. Yeah, understandably so, man. It is really nice to hear that. And I think that's maybe why in a way, um, you know, one of the things I've noticed just a few times I've been listening to it already is um, there's a bit of a lightness of touch to it in, in a way. You know, I think of a track like, uh, I mean, we'll come on to things people have heard in a minute, but something like Let the Dark Do the Rest, that's my favorite on there so far because it's got that thing you guys do so well where it's big and it's heavy, but there's a really poppy hook in there, man. It's like really catchy. It's got that kind of lightness dancing over it a little bit there. Thank um, you. Did you find that the music kind of, as much as you are dealing with dark places in here a little bit, I don't know, would you agree with that? It does feel there's a bit of a lightness in there. In Everybody can feels it. And you know, the, what it is, is I'm in a lot better place mentally now. That's the biggest thing. It's like, it's just like I'm in a better place. I was happy. Um, my life is going great right now. And I wasn't bringing this baggage with me around the band. So it could really be a bummer. I think it just, all of us being in a great place and getting along so great at that time, it just created this new thing, if that makes sense. Um, And lyrically for me, I was dealing with some stuff, but not as intentionally. It was kind of like more inspiring. My brain was, it was more uplifting, I, I would say. My brain was was gravitating towards that because when I write lyrics man I don't I don't I have I have no clue what the hell I'm talking about or what I'm writing about it's I I, I write I sing these melody lines over the song kind of freestyle and that you I'll hear words here and there and I kind of put them together as a puzzle and then I'll just start writing like stream of conscious I'm not I don't even know what it's about and it becomes these songs and 
Um, so I think I was just in a great headspace and it kind of just translated throughout the whole music out of everything. And we made just a different record. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Hard, it's a 14th record. <laughs> God. Crazy how it happens like that. Right. Crazy. Right. It's just so crazy. I'm like, wow, we keep doing this, but I'm not going to mess with the process or what how it happens. It's uh, definitely something special and from someplace else. Yeah. No, it's exciting to hear, man. It really, really is. And, um, you know, I, I kind of want to ask you as well, before we get into the music of it, I do love, even though it's a cliched question, I love to ask people about album titles because I genuinely find it fascinating why bands decide to pick a phrase and go, yep, that sums up this era. That sums up what we want to say with this collection of songs. And this is a big statement, man. Requiem's a big, big term to throw around in that way. Why did you decide right. that that was, was the a couple different? It was a couple of different things. For one, it was, for me, it was like, a death and rebirth. It was like I did the nothing. That part, that that era in my life was done and had died, and now I'm on to the new. So it was like celebration for that kind of fit. And then for Monk and Monk, I remember him talking. He was yeah, it would be like a celebration for all the those you know, a, a respect for all those that we lost during the pandemic. Um. And that's the beauty of all this stuff. I love that people get different meanings out of it. And another one was like, I just like the fucking word requiem. It's just so, it just rolls off the, t- it's just like dope, like corn requiem. It just was amazing. So <laughs> I'm being completely honest. No, that's um, great. Yeah. Um, so I just, we, we threw the, the title around all of us and we were like, you know what? Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, that's the one. That's we had several other names. I don't remember what they were off the top of my head, but that was the one that won. Yeah, when hey, when it fits, it fits, man, and it definitely does. It feels like a right kind of phrase to sum it yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the nothing there, which was obviously a very, very different record to this one. But it was such a huge success for you guys, obviously, both, you know, critically, commercially and everything. You know, it was clearly, you know, a real kind of interesting moment in your back catalogue there. And I just wondered when you're coming to follow something like that up, what were the learning points from making that record? Is there anything that that you kind of discovered making the nothing that fed into this one? Or was it just a completely different process this time? I think it's a different process. When we're doing the nothing, that's when the band, they, they worked in Nashville with Nick on some songs. And all those songs were done, and then I had them here. Um, uh, well, half of them were done there, and then I got to work with the band on some, a couple songs on that um, uh, in the studio here in Bakersfield. But that was a different. We were just like transitioning from where I was in a very dark, bad place at that during that time, and um, the guys were just trying to rally around me to be there and support me. And we made this piece of great art, and it was just blanketed in just darkness. Definitely. That's why I called it the, the nothing. Um, so coming in this one, it was in another crazy, all crazy stuff was going on, but I was in a different headspace. I was not, I was in a way better space and we were getting together. We were happy because we were together to write music and just forget about everything else going on in the outside world. Yeah, good to hear, man. It sounds like a really, really nice way of working. And you can certainly hear it in the music. Like I say, I want to I want to mention a couple of things that people have already heard. Um, I guess beginning with Start the Healing, you know, I'm always fascinated why bands pick something as the kind of first taster for a new era, you know, and that one definitely, again, a big, big catchy moment without losing that heaviness there. Tell me about writing that particular track. And it was just it's like every on the song there, it starts with a with a uh, a riff 
Um, and I remember head writing that riff and I was, how does I say? I was like, I love the riff, but it was different. I was telling them to drop the one and come in on the two. So it'd be all, because it was, I think it was, so I remember that in the studio and I was trying to make it more groovy and like doing that. So we did that. And uh, I remember head coming up with like the crazy chorus and monkey doing things over the top. Um, it just, it came together pretty quickly. And I just remember just grooving and just had this cool groove and uh, I liked it a lot. And then we recorded it and I did my thing over it. And I just, I don't know. It was just one of those, the reason we picked it, it just had everything that we wanted in the song. It was a good first single. Yeah, it definitely sets the stage for the rest of the record, I think. And, and similarly, so does Forgotten, which people have heard. And I, I love the fact that that's the opening track of the album as well, because my God, that hits you hard. That punches yeah. you about the face to kick the record off, right? Right. right. Yeah. It's a good, and uh, that one's good too. I mean, this record isn't like slam you, smack you across the face heavy, like a song like Cold or those like in the previous record. This is a different, it's more mellow. I, I think it's more melodic, but it's still got the heaviness, but we were just coming from a different spot. I don't want to do the same record over again. Like you just brutally just fucking heavy and Hey, you don't know where we're going to know the next record might be just crazy heavy. Who knows? But that's kind of was the vibe we were going, going for. It just, yeah. it, it kind of wrote itself. Yeah. Oh, it's always nice when it works out like that. You know, yeah. It's coming to you so naturally and you can definitely hear it come through like that. A couple more things I want to mention before I let you go. Uh, firstly, that incredible live stream show you guys got to do is a little bit while back now, but you know, I've absolutely loved watching all these different bands approach it in completely different ways. That's the way to do it. You've got to find a way to do a live stream show that fits your band so well. And you guys absolutely did that. Tell me a little bit about the approach and I guess what were the challenges really in putting together something that's uh, that's kind of unique like that well we partnered up with with uh our boys uh danny wimmer and you know they're big promoters and we wanted to do something that was so over the top it's like i saw everybody doing the live streams but we wanted it to be special it has to be corn stuff you know that's what we do we got to do it different and big and uh it just can't be it's just a normal stream so we teamed up with uh the stranger things experience where they had you know people go through and do the stranger things they, they, they agreed to let us use the site and we decided to do a show there and they gave us free run of the place and it was just an amazing place to do a show. And then we had done stuff like this before where we did corn, uh, the encounter where we did, it was kind of like in the middle of a, in the field here in Bakersfield, we stamped out a big crop circle that said corn in it and we played in the middle of it and there was no one there. Um, and we, we borrowed that idea. It was very inspired by uh, Pink Floyd's Live of Pompeii. It's the same, same kind of thing. We're like, let's do a, a modern Live of Pompeii. So that was the encounter. And then doing Monumental is like, we've already done this before. Let's just even make it even more. And just the big screens and the, the way we, we recorded it and, and the, the production crew and the filming, it was just all top notch. We wanted it to be a good experience that people, they're paying for it. It's worth it. And and it really did, uh, it, it outdid my expectations. When I watched it back, I was like, wow, this is amazing. It was, yeah. a, it was a killer event. It was very successful. 
Yeah, the extra effort always pays off, man. That's always the rule, isn't it? It makes a lot of yeah. sense there. Um, something else that's coming up this year, you know, I don't know how much attention you pay necessarily to like anniversaries or whatever, but it did pique my interest that we're going to be approaching 20 years of Untouchables now, which particularly over in the UK was such a key moment for you guys, you know, such a high performing yeah. record over here and everything. Just wanted to get your reflection really on, on how you think that record in particular affected you as, as a writer or any kind of key moments you can remember from I mean that's when I heaven. that record was when I became a real singer. <laughs> <laughs> I awesome. worked with Michael Beinhorn, who's my dear friend, and I love to death. I respect him as a producer. Most people who work with Beinhorn only work with him once because he's so <laughs> insane and, and just demands perfection, which he should because he's a great producer. Um, he he hooked me up with my first vocal coach and, and started me taking vocal lessons. I would come in the studio and start singing. He'd tell me to go home. He'd do it multiple times a week. Nope, your voice ain't right. You know, it took two years to make. Cost an astronomical amount of money. And we were. it was one of those records that was the first to be recorded at 96K, which was the new sampling rate that hadn't really been out yet. Um, you know, I call that record the, the heavy metal Asia, if you know Steely Dan's record, Asia. You know that, how good that album sounds, Asia sounds, you put that on and it's like pops, you're like, holy shit, Untouchables is, is that for heavy music. If you put that on a stereo and turn that fucker up, it's insane, the sonic quality. Um, and I have like, I have some rough board mixes that are even better <laughs> that we just found. But um, for all the effort, all this stuff that went in that record for two years, we worked hard on that. It was just incredible production, just the best of best of everything. That is my favorite corn record, hands down. Yeah, I just, mean, there's nothing like it. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree, man. Absolutely. It definitely was such a key moment for you guys. And like I say, particularly in the UK, man. And uh, and speaking to that, you know, I'll leave you with this, Jonathan. I want to mention live plans because you guys have got such exciting stuff lined up this year. First of all, talk to me about these shows with System, who I absolutely adore. And that's such a clever pairing, man, you guys doing shows together like that. Yeah, it's fun. I love playing with those guys. I mean, they don't do that many shows and it's good because, I mean, we play with them back in the day and they're just, just their fans are so rabid and, and the shows are huge. So we're going to do uh, four shows. We got, we're going next month doing one in Phoenix, one in San Diego and two in LA um, that we had to make up because Serge got COVID, but I'm looking forward to playing with those guys. It's, they're great dudes, man. And the shows are so good. It's this two different kind of things with us going on and them going on. I think it's a great show. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to really, really complement each other very, very well. And then the other exciting moment in the live calendar for us over here, you're coming back to Download Festival, which I know yes. has always been so good to you guys in the past. I always like to ask bands like yourselves where you've played it several times and everything. You know, do you have any kind of favorite memories of Donington of playing to it's that? Just Donington, man, back when it was Donington. <laughs> I have lots of great memories. I remember the first time we played there in Donington in 94. Um, yeah, I think it was 94, first time we played. And all the times we played, I don't know how many times we played Donington and Download. It's it's uh, a lot. But I know one thing, every time we roll in, and the crowd is just amazing and it feels really good. And everybody's out there waiting for us and the shows go over great. And it's been shit. I think they told me the last time we played was 2016. It's been a long ass time since Korn's been to, to Europe. So hopefully we'll make it over this time if something doesn't happen.
Fingers crossed, man. Signs are looking good. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm quietly hopeful at the minute. Yeah, man. Might be, might be on for a good summer and all that stuff, dude. It's totally. Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, I mean, again, congrats on this record, man. It's really, really exciting to, to talk to you. I'm glad to hear you guys are in a good space and everything. And like I say, cannot wait to see you guys in the UK when that's all good and allowed. But uh, in the meantime, take care of yourself, all right? All right, James. Thanks, brother. Good to see you. Jonathan Davis, everybody. <laughs>